Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so we're continuing to read my book, The Pesky Kids 4, Near Extinction. And we're picking it up at Chapter 24. So if you remember, the kids had gone on a school excursion to the Galagambone Dinosaur Park. Uh, but while they were there, of course, jewel thieves turned up and hijacked the bus with one of the dinosaurs attached to the top. So this is where we pick up the story. Chapter 24, Slow Speed. The bus was barreling down the dusty highway. It was only going at about 60 kilometres an hour, but it felt really fast because the bus was so old and rattly, the road was so lumpy and uneven, and three of the passengers were not sitting on seats. They were on top of the bus, two of those inside a giant dinosaur. I'm going to die, wailed Finn. Yeah, you are, because I'm going to kill you if you don't stop wailing like a big baby, snapped April. Finn might have his head inside the dinosaur, but she had her whole body in there, and his yells were deafening in the confined space. Why must you be so relentlessly horrible, accused Finn. All your life, since the day you were born, you've been vile every single second of the day. Perhaps because when I was born, one of the first things I saw was you, said April, and because it was you, you were no doubt whining about something. My head is stuck inside a dinosaur on top of a hijacked bus, yelled Finn. I have every right to whine. April's foot flew past his head. Finn couldn't see it in the darkness, but he felt the movement of it brushing past his hair and heard the impact of it in the fiberglass above his head. What are you doing, yelled Finn. Why are you trying to kick me? I'm not trying to kick you in the head, you idiot, said April. I'm trying to kick the dinosaur in the head. She stomped out with her foot again. Finn realised April had braced herself upside down against the neck of the dinosaur and was kicking out with all her rage. Stop it, cried Finn. No, grunted April as she kicked again and again and again. Finn just started screaming. Ah! Using words was having no effect and screaming seemed the appropriate thing to do when you're pretty sure you're about to die. April was still stomping, and considering how skinny her legs were, it was amazing how much wallop she could pack into each kick. Stomp! 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 Crack! She stopped kicking. Finn stopped screaming. What was that? asked Finn. I realise you're too emotional right now to thank me properly, said April, but a large box of chocolates and a little thank you note later will be acceptable. Huh? said Finn. Try getting your head out now, said April. Finn pulled back on his head. He felt the upper jaw of the dinosaur give a little. He grabbed the jaw with his hand and pushed it up as he pulled his head. The jaw only gave about a centimetre, but that was all he needed. He was able to pull his head free, dragging it out as the fibreglass teeth scraped through his hair and across his scalp. I'm free, said Finn. He enjoyed the feeling for about one and a half seconds before the bus turned with a bend in the road and he nearly slipped right off the side. 
Luckily, Joe had been making his way around the outside of the T-Rex, hand over hand to get to Finn, and was able to grab his wrist just in the nick of time. Hold on to something, said Joe. Finn reached up and grabbed hold of Joe's hand. Not me, said Joe. Something on the bus, so you don't slide off. If I fall off, you'd come with me. Finn reached over and grabbed a light fit-in on the roof of the bus. It was not a very secure hold. His legs were still sliding side to side with each lurch. There was a scraping noise inside the dinosaur. Then April's head popped out from the abdomen. Ugh, I don't feel good. I think I'm going to be dinosaur sick, said April. What's dinosaur sick, asked Joe. It's like travel sick, but worse because you get it from travelling inside a dinosaur, said April. I think I'm going to hurl. April then acted on her prediction, being sick over the side of the bus. Oh, gross, said Finn. I've had enough of this, said April, clutching onto the side of the dinosaur and making her way around to Finn and Joe. It's bad enough that those two jokers are clearly jewel thieves and violent thugs who shove kids in dinosaurs, but they also drive like morons. She shoved past Finn and Joe and kept crawling towards the front of the bus. Where are you going, panicked Joe. I'm going to stop the bus, said April. How? Finn shouted over the sound of the noisy engine. I don't know, said April. She was still feeling ill. Maybe I'll ask our hijackers really nicely. Oh, ow. What happened, asked Joe. I just whacked my hand on the skylight, said April. But that's good, said Finn. Do you want me to whack your hand and see if you think it's good, asked April. No, I mean the skylight, said Finn. You broke the latch earlier. We can open it up and get into the bus. Okay, you have just de-idioted yourself by two points, said April. And that's the end of chapter 24, but we'll keep reading. Chapter 25, Nap Time. Constable Pike quite liked highway patrol. He was obliged to spend half of one shift per week doing it. It was the closest he ever got to enjoying his job. Currawong did not have a lot of crime, at least not until recently. There had been a spate of bizarre illegalities ever since the pesky kids turned up in town. But in general, his job was not so much about arresting people as about mediating squabbles between neighbours, business owners and families, as well as dealing with disasters, both natural disasters and the more frequent unnatural ones. The residents of Currawong had a talent for causing those, like the Great Christmas Tree Inferno of 2012 or the Sleepyvale Retirement Village Riot of 2014. Highway patrol was the time on the job when Constable Pike could relax, when he was actually paid to park by the side of the highway and do nothing, for hours. On the main road, he might get one or two cars, and perhaps a truck drive past in an hour, and all of them would be driving at or below the speed limit, because everyone in town always knew where and when he was on patrol duty. The local radio station broadcast his location as part of the news. The gossips told the other gossips, and even the church got in on the act, posting some sort of witty comment on their notice board like, The Lord will forgive you, but Constable Pike won't, so avoid the Bilgong Road. The vicar had never forgiven the constable for giving him a speeding ticket when he was running late for a christening. In the eight years since he'd been stationed at Currawong, Constable Pike had only been involved in one high-speed chase. It had happened during his first week. A pair of thieves had robbed the jewellery store at Bilgong. Constable Pike had seen them speeding at the Currawong turn-off and given chase. It was really exciting. They were driving a ute that didn't have nearly as much acceleration as his patrol car. But the robbery had taken place at closing time, so the chase was happening at dusk, and out in the country, dusk means kangaroos on the road. A huge big red jumped straight in front of the patrol car. Constable Pike did exactly what his police training had taught him not to do. He swerved to avoid it, went off the road, and the car went into a ditch and flipped onto its roof. 
The thieves were eventually caught in the next state trying to board a shipping vessel, but they had hidden the jewellery somewhere along the way and it had never been recovered. It had been very embarrassing. Constable Pike's commanded officer had yelled at him very loudly about how he would be demoted for the stuff-up if he weren't already the lowest level a police officer could be. Constable Pike fully intended to enjoy his rest this evening. It had been a particularly exhausting day of police business. He'd spent the first half of his shift chasing a stallion around the school oval. He'd had no luck catching it. In the end, he'd had to call in the town's animal expert, the cat lady. When she arrived in her beaten-up old station wagon, Constable Pike was a sweaty, muddy mess. He'd fallen over several times and been headbutted twice. Irritatingly, the cat lady had just whistled, and the stallion trotted over to her obediently to have its nose scratched. So when Constable Pike pulled into the lay-by on the Bilgong Road, he was looking forward to a nice rest. He parked the car, tilted the seat back, and allowed slumber to wash over him. He did the deep breathing exercises the academy psychologists had taught all the cadets to help them cope with traumatic stress. He did these exercises every day. Currawong might not be traumatic, but it was certainly stressful. Out on the side of the dark highway, it was totally quiet. Constable Pike was imagining himself lying on a beautiful, sun-drenched beach. He imagined he could hear the rush and rumble of the surf. It was so peaceful. But then the surf started to sound louder and sharper. There was a terrible grinding noise as well. Constable Pike snapped awake just in time to see the giant pink school bus blundering past at top speed with a huge dead dinosaur strapped to the roof and dragging its tail behind. Constable Pike's first thought was that he'd gone mad. The pressure of the job had finally made him snap. He wasn't a very good student at school, but he distinctly remembered learning that dinosaurs became extinct millions of years ago. How could one now be riding on a bus towards Currawong? Then he remembered that some kids from Currawong High had gone on a school excursion that day. The excursion had been to the dinosaur park, and the most annoying family in Currawong, the pesky kids, had been on that excursion. Constable Pike flicked on the police siren, hit the accelerator, and fishtailed the overpowered police car onto the highway. He was going to get to do a high-speed chase just like in the movies. Well, maybe a bit slower than in the movies because the school bus couldn't go very fast. But he'd enjoy it nonetheless. Especially the bit at the end where he'd finally get to arrest those pesky, pesky kids. All right, so it's short chapters today, so we'll squeeze in another one. We're up to chapter 26, The Cavalry. April grabbed hold of the frame of the skylight and swung down into the bus. She hadn't put much thought into her course of action. She found herself dangling fully stretched from the opening, her toes still well above the floor. She didn't want to break her ankle, so April swung her legs about to catch hold of a seat. This didn't help much. Now she was holding onto the skylight with her hands and a seat with her feet, while her rear dangled over the aisle. The problem was soon solved when the bus hit a pothole. She lost her grip and landed in a heap on the floor. The bus was so noisy that neither Georgia nor Bruce noticed the extra sound. April had winded herself in the fall, so it took a moment to catch her breath. When she looked up, it was to see Finn about to drop on her head. April quickly, Commando rolled out of the way. Finn landed with a thump on the floor. Hey, complained Finn, rubbing his butt. You were meant to catch me. Ugh, said April. I'd rather catch cooties. I'm not going to let you land on me and break my neck. April shoved Finn to emphasise her point, so of course Finn shoved back, which led to her putting him in a headlock, which led to Finn trying to poke his fingers up April's nose, which led to neither of them noticing Joe dropping in through the skylight and landing on them both. Sorry, said Joe. Ugh, said April. Finn just whimpered. So what's the plan, asked Joe. 
The plan is there is no plan, said April. We just hijack back the bus. But what if the bus crashes, said Finn, or they've got guns? That will be a delightful surprise that we'll deal with if and when it happens, said April. I've got a plan. Joe flinched. Finn and April looked up. Loretta was suddenly standing right behind him, and Tom was with her. Where did you two come from, asked Finn. Well, I snuck on the bus when everyone else fell asleep around the campfire, said Loretta. I didn't like to say anything critical, this being my first week at a new school, but it did seem silly to fall asleep on the dirt outside in a desert when there was a bus full of cushioned seats nearby. Really, the only redeeming feature of an incredibly old bus is that it was built when manufacturers still put springs in seats. And I got on the bus to hide from Matilda, said Tom. She keeps trying to help guide me places. She wanted to know if I needed help going to the bathroom. He shuddered at the memory. So we've been assaulted, kidnapped and dragged across the desert inside a dinosaur on top of a bus, said April, and you've slept through the whole thing. Yes, said Loretta. I'm feeling very well rested. I think it's the vibrations of the bus. It's so soothing, like getting a massage. Can we chit-chat later and focus on rescuing ourselves now, asked Finn. Something at the back of the window of the bus had caught April's attention. Doesn't look like we're going to have to do anything, said April. Look, the cavalry's coming. Joe, Finn and Loretta followed her gaze. In the distance, they could see the blue flashing lights of a police patrol car. Meanwhile, at the front of the bus, Georgia was driving and Bruce was sitting behind her, peering out into the darkness. Where are we going to go, asked Bruce. We can't drive a bus and a dinosaur across the country. We'll steal a normal car at the next town, said Georgia. But the next town is Currawong, said Bruce. There's nothing normal in Currawong. There's got to be something more normal than a bright pink bus with a Tyrannosaurus Rex on the roof, said Georgia. What's that noise, asked Bruce. Which noise, asked Georgia. The rattling, the shaking, the grinding. They're all deafening. This bus is noisier than a World War I battle. Not the bus, said Bruce. I can hear a wailing sound. Georgia could hear it now too. And the wailing was getting louder. Georgia glanced in her wing mirror. There were blue flashing lights right behind them. And it was getting closer. Oh, it's the cops. Drive faster, urged Bruce. Georgia pressed the accelerator flat to the floor. The engine strained and shook. The bus increased its pace by only the tiniest fraction. The police car whizzed past them at twice their speed, zoomed up the road a few hundred metres, then skidded sideways to a halt, lit up by the headlights of the bus. Go straight through him, urged Bruce. I can't murder a police officer, said Georgia. She hit the brakes and started changing down through the gears. I don't want to go back to jail, said Bruce. The bus came to a lurching halt, but Georgia did not turn off the engine. If we stay calm, we can talk our way out of this, she said. Constable Pike had walked over and was pounding on the bus door. Open up, he demanded. Georgia pulled the lever and the door hissed open. What seems to be the problem, officer? She asked politely. Madam, I'm going to have to ask you to step down out of your vehicle, said Constable Pike. Why? asked Georgia. I wasn't speeding. I know that for a fact because I tried speeding and this bus wasn't up to it. I have concerns for the roadworthiness of your vehicle, said Constable Pike. Step down here, please. No, said Georgia. I wasn't speeding. You can't make me. Constable Pike stepped up into the bus so he wouldn't have to keep yelling over the sound of the engine. Madam, you have a giant prehistoric animal attached to the roof of your vehicle. I have reason to believe that this belongs to the Glagenbone Dinosaur Park. I can see said dinosaur in plain view. Thud! Constable Pike did not get to finish his sentence because Bruce had climbed out a window on the far side, crept around and whacked him over the head with a spanner. The constable had collapsed face first into George's lap. She pushed him off into the aisle. Bruce clambered over the top of Constable Pike's unconscious body. Georgia wrenched on the door lever. Hit it, said Bruce. 
and they took off speeding again. All right, and that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there for today. And until next time, goodbye. Well, (laughs) before I go, I just want you to know, I'm actually recording this on Easter Sunday because uh, it's just the beginning of the school holidays here and I'm taking my family away on holiday. So I'm pre-recording this episode and I thought, you know, obviously it's not ideal that I'm recording on Easter Sunday, but um, we've had such a nice couple of days with Good Friday and, and, and yesterday I spent a lot of time with my kids. So my work was undone. So I'm having to record today. I don't have any choice. I've got to get it done before I go away. So you get an F- a podcast episode to listen to. And I thought, oh, this will be a good day to record because it's Easter Sunday. No one will be doing anything. There won't be any roadworks. There won't be any council workers out in the backfield, mowing the backfield. But no, it was not to be. Uh, throughout the entire recording today, one of my neighbours has been wood chipping in their garden, which is funny to listen to while I'm trying to concentrate and read. And then just as I was turning off the microphones today, I have never heard this before in my life and the 10 years I've lived in this house, one of my neighbours started to practice playing the bagpipes. <laughs> Which is just fantastic. As a podcaster, you just, you can't anticipate that sort of wonderful thing that your neighbor is going to take up bagpipes. And so I just, I can only imagine how often they're now going to practice week to week as I record future episodes. But I just wanted to turn the microphone back on and share with you (laughs) this wonderful news that one of my neighbors has taken up this fantastic Scottish art form. And I know I'm going to enjoy listening to it. Fortunately, I live just far enough away so you can just hear it on the breeze. Um, But that's what's happening here today on Easter Sunday in Barrel. So I hope you had a good holidays, although it's probably in your rearview mirror by the time you listen to this. But I hope if you are on school holidays still, you're having a good time because I will be with my family as we go away. And as I fade off, you may be able to hear the dulcet tones of the bagpipes. I can just hear them. Maybe they won't enjoy playing them and they'll give up after a couple of weeks. We'll see.